Downtown Vancouver Business Improvement Association is proud to support BIV's daily Coping with COVID podcast series. And now that there is a plan to safely restart BC, we hope you'll join us in supporting your favorite local businesses. From restaurants to retail, our downtown businesses need us now more than ever. Thanks everyone and stay safe. I'm Tyler Orton, and before we get to today's interview, here are some of the top stories we're following at business in Vancouver. BC businesses began reopening today as phase two of the province's economic restart program officially kicked off. But those venturing into restaurants or bars for a sit-down service should be prepared for social distancing between groups, cashless payments, as well as providing personal contact information to those businesses. Meanwhile, the federal government extended its agreement with the U.S. today to keep the border closed to non-essential travel. The current agreement was set to expire Thursday, but is now being extended another 30 days. That's it for now. Now for our interview. So large-scale events featuring crowds flooding into venues will not be returning to the province anytime soon. Vancouver-based Talent Bureau co-founder Jeff Jacobson, he's been booking speakers and events for more than a decade, and I think he can offer a lot of insights in what lays ahead for his industry. Jeff, I want to thank you for uh, joining us on the show today. Glad to be here. It's a very interesting time right now. We've got, of course, phase two begins today in British Columbia. So we're going to have restrictions loosen on, say, restaurants for sit-down dining, pubs. I don't know what the appetite is for those particular uh, sectors, but maybe talk to you about live events. Um, I don't know if there's relief for kind of the speaker conferences coming in the next few weeks. I, I think we're looking at months away, maybe even like 2021. Who knows at this point? But how has your industry been holding up amidst all of this the last two months? Well, it's a mixed bag, Tyler, to be honest. I mean, this is a challenging period for not just my industry, which is, you know, speaking engagements, talent appearances and the like, but but the live entertainment ecosystem in general, right? And and that doesn't just mean the the agents and managers and the talent, but but there's a whole ecosystem of venues, promoters, vendors from caterers to florists, AV companies. Um, this whole ecosystem has been affected completely top down. Um, you know, this is a time for innovation. This is a time for experimentation. And it's also a time for patience because we, we are not only at the mercy of public health officials and their decisions, but I think we want to be, um, you know, following their guidance, trusting their 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 decisions because we only want customers and consumers to come back to these events when it is safe. So it's, it's, uh, it's a combination of all of those things. You know, and it's tough to hear when you bring up kind of the ancillary jobs that are connected to this, whether it's somebody handling the AV stuff or, or as you said, kind of caterers, florists, for example, I don't see a path forward for them in the near term, but for you as maybe a booker, uh, tell me about some of the innovation going on or, or how you guys are trying to rethink this. I, I mean, obviously, technology comes into play, but how is that going? 
Yeah, a good question. First of all, I want to give a little more love to that ecosystem because it is so important to me and our company. I mean, the events industry in Canada is a $30 billion industry. And, and um, you know, I hope there is more support for that for that ecosystem generally going forward. Um, in terms of innovations in our sector, we're seeing a lot of cool stuff. Um, you know, first of all, it's an opportunity to reconnect with with people who probably have been too caught up in the inertia of their day to day booking stuff. And it's given this has given me a lot of cool opportunities to connect with great people in my industry and beyond. Um, clearly, like many um, other industries, I've heard other guests on your show, including my friend Dan Sutton last week, talk about how COVID has been a trend accelerator rather than a, you know, a trend creator. Right. It, it's speeding up things that were inevitable. And so I think digital experiences, virtual experiences are, um, you know, very much in the forefront, obviously, you know, um, and anything's on the table. I always like to tell clients, look at Saturday Night Live. They broke their number one rule. They aired shows that weren't live. Um, you know, they were from their house on Zoom, on Skype, whatever it was, putting bits together. And our industry has to do the same thing. So, um, you know, you're seeing speakers experimenting with stuff that is a lot more conversational, a lot more, I would say, cinematic, thinking about the audience, their attention span. Um, in some ways, it's challenging because you're not there in the same room with them. But in other ways, it's a cool opportunity because everyone has a front row seat. So um, there's a lot of interesting innovation in terms of format, structure, and other ways that a speaker or talent can deliver their, their content. One of the things that I've noticed with some of these virtual speaker series is that a lot of them are going on for free or else there's that hey, pay by donation sort of option. I don't know how sustainable that's going to be. I wonder if you can speak to that because I, I think there is going to be a need for revenue coming in. Of course, with the understanding the economy is, is going at a pace that's much slower than we're used to. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly not sustainable. I think that a lot of groups and organizations are out there putting uh, out free content and, and free virtual events as a way to engage and support their communities during this time. And I, and I am totally with that. But eventually, there's going to have to be a point in time where you put your hand out. Um, and in my case, when we're trying to, to still encourage organizations to spend, you know, a sizable investment on bringing a speaker in or, a, or a, an outside talent, we're now competing against free in a way that we weren't before. Um, if you were booking somebody to speak at a convention in at the Vancouver Convention Center, there wasn't a free speaker in the next room being will, being there willing to do do what they were doing. So it's changed that paradigm for us. But but I think um, in any business, you get what you pay for uh, with complete respect to the series that are offering free content to support people right now. Um, you know, it's tough to deal with hypotheticals right now, but um, I'm always interested what do you think is going to have to happen first for speakers to start coming back to Vancouver? I, I think we're very much dependent on what health officials say, but do you have any timeline or at least a hopeful timeline in mind? So Ezekiel Emanuel, who's a, you know, a very senior, uh, you know, health academic and uh, health official in the United States, who also happens to be the brother of Ari Emanuel, who's probably the most powerful talent agent in the world, owns Endeavor, uh, was in the New York Times recently and said that he thinks fall 2021 is when he suspects that live events and, and live concerts are um, going, to, uh, going to start happening again with full crowds. Um, you know, 
to me, that would be a, a, a challenging scenario for, for my business and my industry. But on the other hand, again, we want people coming back to these rooms when it's safe. I think there will be some type of innovation, a, a known unknown that will uh, speed that timeline up. Whether that is a way for people to actually safely gather from a distance in, uh, in spaces, you know, so there's an actual, you know, physical innovation or a therapeutic or vaccine, but that's what we're at the mercy of. I mean, again, I don't know if you've heard other guests discuss this, but like, you know, COVID years are like dog years. So how I feel about, uh, how I feel about things now versus a month from now, um, you know, a month in COVID years is a long, is a long time. So um, I think the most important thing is that we all gather again when it's safe and, and um, you know, fall 2021 is sort of the the working expectation against people in my industry who aren't in denial, but, you know, could be sooner. You know, I don't really know. And that's tough to hear because it's like 18 months from now. So you just wonder, you know, how to just keep the roof over your head in the meantime. The other thing that I am curious about, though, is what happens if you have other jurisdiction across North America, maybe with laxer rules? Um, other states might want to just open up before it's necessarily safe. Do you think speakers are going to be drawn into those? Or mm -hmm. I don't know, I, I, it might just depend on who the individual speaker is. Yeah, so I would answer your second question first to say, yes, I do think that some speakers are uh, going to want to obviously get to work sooner than that, especially those who make their livelihood from it. And, and conversely, a lot of other participants in that aforementioned ecosystem will too. So yes, there will be, um, you know, those who try and make it work before. I, I read that there is a um, professional bull riding event taking place in early July that is going to be selling tickets. I think 35% of the arena is going to be full. There's going to be gap between gaps between, uh, you know, the ticket holders. There was a, uh, there was a concert yesterday, yesterday, I believe in Arkansas, where I think the room was at 20% capacity. So, um, you know, definitely there are people that are going to be trying it. Um, you know, I'd prefer that myself and my clients aren't the guinea pigs, but but obviously we'll be following it closely. In terms of your first question, just want to quickly touch on that. I think that, again, speaking to that innovation, right, like, like it is not just um, booking people to speak on stage at a conference that my company and others do. You know, we're about connecting talent um, with organizations for all sorts of you know, reasons being educational and others, right? And there are so many ways one can deliver that content through, you know, online courses, through webinars, through, you know, again, a whole host of, of opportunities, podcasts, you're seeing branded podcasts pop up, right? So, so my focus remains the same, connecting talent with companies that want to want to use them to enhance their goals or, uh, or, you know, educate their, their staff or audience. And while we don't have packed rooms in convention centers to do that, uh, I think the opportunity still remains great to uh, to make some cool stuff happen. So what kinds of speakers, what kinds of industries are they in that, that are at least reaching out or, or showing interest in, in getting something going, whether it's virtual or maybe much further down the road, uh, live in person? So our company works with, with organizations across the gamut, so many different industries. And because of that, um, we have had a chance to almost get a firsthand look at who's really feeling the pain um, and who's still kind of, you know, showing 
more signs of life. And, and the groups that are still reaching out with budgets to book stuff, you know, wouldn't be a big surprise. It's the sectors that you're seeing advertised on television, you know, technology, food services, slash grocery, et cetera. So um, really, uh, who actually is wanting to spend money on booking premium talent right now is sort of a microcosm for uh, the industries that, um, you know, seem healthy, right? Expedia is not calling us looking to book, uh, looking to book talent right now. Fair enough, fair enough. And maybe I should have asked you this at the top of our conversation, but just to put things into context for our listeners and our viewers, um, who have been some of the people, notable names in the past that uh, you've booked? So I'm just wondering, you know, okay, those are the people that would be willing to do an in-person thing back in the day. And I, I, we just don't know what their position is going to be at this point. Yeah. So, I mean, we have a lot of great exclusive clients we represent. I manage uh, Paul Bissonnette, who's better known to hockey fans as Biz Nasty, who's one of the most exciting uh, and influential personalities in not just hockey, but Canadian sport. Um, but on the speaker side, we, we've booked all sorts of, you know, fascinating folks for, uh, for, for clients, everybody from, you know, Jimmy Wales, the founder of Wikipedia, to Anderson Cooper, um, you know, and kind of everybody in between, um, you know, I had an opportunity to book um, Stacey Abrams uh, last year for a conference, who is right now being considered supposedly to be uh, Joe Biden's running mate. So we've had the pleasure of booking all sorts of really cool, interesting and fascinating people to uh, to be part of uh, of great events. What kinds of questions are you fielding from potential speakers uh, right now? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. I, I think they're looking for guidance from us on how to pivot because they've been so focused on doing kind of one thing one way for so long and respectfully so, right? Like we've spent our time as agencies for the most part in the speaking world, working with them on just saying, hey, we want to take everything off your plate. All you should focus on is what you can do on stage. But now it's totally, it's totally flipped. And so speakers are asking us, hey, how can I take my content, take my expertise, and what's the system, the portal in which I can start providing value again for companies? And so I've also found that a filmed keynote, like a 45-minute filmed keynote, is not something that organizations are willing to pay premium, premium, premium dollars for because there are so many filmed keynotes online. You know, you can go to TED.com and watch literally thousands of them. So the experience has to be, as I said earlier, a lot more cinematic, a lot more interactive, a lot more customized. Um, and the truth is speakers are going to have to do more work for less money um, right now to help get this industry on our feet, on its feet rather, uh, because uh, the good old days are just that right now. You know, um, So I think that uh, speakers want to know how they can prepare themselves for uh, the new normal or the new abnormal of a uh, virtual or uh, digital experiences. So uh, it's an interesting thing that you brought up, you know, if, if filmed keynotes aren't just going to move the needle at this point, um, what does maybe a, a speaker sort of event have to look like? Is like a webcam situation like we're doing right now, is that going to suffice? Are we thinking about, I don't know, more intricate sort of camera work and lighting? Um, what's your takeaway? I think production quality is a huge, you know, bone, uh, benefit and 
and contributing factor. Um, so a lot of people are simply just getting like a ring light off Amazon. That that will just enhance lighting, you know, a, a decent amount. But I think more than that, there has to be some combination of of you know interactivity, right? I've heard of situations where speakers will actually almost assign a filmed keynote of themselves to a group in advance of the conference date where the group is expected to watch it. And then the speaker will join the group for a live Q&A, you know, reflecting on the keynote. So again, there has to be interactivity through Zoom and other platforms. There are ways you can do some cool stuff. You can, you can ask the audience who's watching um, to participate in a poll. You know, you can uh, you know, you can do things that you couldn't do before. If you're delivering a shorter, um, you know, talk, you can add music to it. You can add more interesting cuts to it. You can use historical footage when you're referencing a story. Again, I almost like to say, like, think of it more like a movie trailer you have to put together for uh, for uh, for an audience, right? So there's a whole host of innovations that people are toying with and uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what actually, you know, stays permanently even when in-person events really return because there will be a lot that does. Yeah. And I think we need to follow up on that as I guess a clear picture emerges of what industry is going to look like. So maybe in the coming weeks and coming months, uh, let's get in touch once again. But for now, Jeff, I want to thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you. So happy to be here and uh, enjoy the rest of the day. That is Jeff Jacobson. He is a co-founder of Talent Bureau, and that is it for the show today. We'll be back Wednesday, though, so keep tuning in to EIV.com. 